Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Welcome to the campfire. I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we're two RV industry veterans who travel part-time. In a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips. Tricks. Discounts. Not so much a small trailer and a U-Haul truck. Yeah, this week is a U-Haul <laughs> truck. <laughs> so we're staying in some bed and breakfasts and some Airbnbs and some hotels and we're having a different experience and missing our travel trailer. <laughs> Boy, do we ever. Boy, I think we talked about this in the past about staying in hotels versus having an RV. Yeah. And if we uh, haven't been convinced before this trip has convinced us more. Yeah, for sure. We like to travel with our travel trailer. I don't hate traveling without it, but I prefer traveling with it. Yeah, and I mean, there's been a huge variety of experiences too. Everything from the, I'm not sure I want to sleep under those covers to uh -huh. probably the best bed I've ever slept in. Yeah, it's great. So there is that variety and there, you know, that's kind of entertaining, but yeah. <laughs> Variety is the pumpkin spice of life. <laughs> <laughs> so we're about on the last leg. We're gonna be hitting the road. We're recording a little bit early this week. Yep. Not that you'll notice a difference really, but we wanted to be done and ready before we get our U-Haul and load it up and start heading to our new home. And we're gonna get home just in time. Yes. I wanted to remind you that we are having our first really official meetup and that will be on October 1st. Yeah, at a place 2022. Called, yeah. Cactus Brewery. <laughs> Cactus Brewery in Bernalillo. So if you are in the Albuquerque area, we would love to have you come and hang out with us, listen to the Border Hookups who we talked to last week on the podcast episode. Yeah, and Jason and Abby from RV Miles will be there. That's too. right. So we're calling it Stressless Miles. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we should call it stressless miles with the border hookups, or... I guess we should. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, it's it should be a good time because we've been to the Cactus Brewery before, and it has it's obviously... It's a great place. ...got good beer, but also some really interesting pizzas and other things, and they, I believe they make their own root beer. Somehow root beer they're known for. I oh, don't know. Oh, okay. Great. Whatever it is, it's a kind of casual outdoor hole in the wall place just the kind of place we love and then good music good people and us <laughs> and us <laughs> to balance things out yeah there you go so last week we talked to the border hookups and this week we are speaking to another one of our new friends from the rv entrepreneur roundtable yep heidi dusek is really inspirational and, and very energetic very energetic and we can't wait for you to hear from her right after this camping is all about great experiences and that's why we love harvest hosts harvest host is the gateway to beautiful overnighting experiences and with harvest hosts you can boondock at wineries and 
breweries, cultural destinations, golf courses, so much more. It's a great alternative to traditional campgrounds. Yeah, a lot of those really great pictures you've seen online, like Instagram and such, have been taken at Harvest Host destinations, and you can experience those yourself. You can, and we've got a good deal on Harvest Host memberships on our partners page at StresslessCamping.com. Enjoy your next Stressless Camping getaway at a beautiful destination and save money in the process. Winner, winner. Everyone's a winner. We have the privilege of having Heidi Dusick with us, who has created Ordinary Sherpa and also written the book Beyond Normal, a field guide to embrace adventure, explore the wilderness, and design an extraordinary life with kids. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you for being here with us. Yeah, thank you. It was so nice to meet you guys. So it's such an honor, the fact that I got to meet you in person and now I get to be on the podcast. It's <laughs> yeah. Double whammy. <laughs> Heidi was an inspiration at the RV Entrepreneurs Roundtable where we met her in person and just a lot of energy and such a uplifting presence. Tell us how you came about Ordinary Sherpa. How did that come about and what's your focus? So Ordinary Sherpa was really a brand that was kind of crafted with my vision of recognizing how powerful adventure can be for families in particular. So when I had kids, I had been a pretty adventurous person. You know, I wasn't climbing mountains, but I was definitely traveling and skiing and hiking and biking, you know, like all those things outside. And I found so much value from that. And I knew that there was value in it for families as well, but we were, we're kind of told over and over again, like once you have kids, you got to settle down. Right. And so I was like, right. well, I think there's another narrative here that's not being told. And if I could inspire families to connect through adventure, that was going to be my jam that, you know, I'm just an ordinary mom at the end of the day. I'm not, you know, <laughs> climbing Mount Everest. I'm not winning, winning Olympic gold medals in anything like that. But there was something about this idea that I have done a lot of adventures and I saw the value. So if I can guide someone to reach a new adventure or to explore something different, then that feels like a value win for me. I suppose if you had been climbing Mount Everest, it might've been a more of a shift when you had kids. <laughs> but if you're hiking and biking, then what kid doesn't like to do that? Yeah. <laughs> And kids are pretty, they don't know, right? They don't know what they should be or shouldn't be doing at some point. So <laughs> we didn't really give them an option. We put all the kids on an airplane by three months or had them in skis by two years. And we just kind of was like, well, this is what life is going to be like. Come on, let's go. So they didn't know any different. And I think it's easy to, to say, oh, it's too hard. But really, we just made it work. Yeah. Well, I can tell you as a kid, one of the greatest memories I have is we would pack everybody in our old Volkswagen and we would travel all over the place. And that was, those are my favorite memories as yes. a child. We called it the Woody wagon, right? The station wagon, with like <laughs> yeah. fancy wood panel and like camping <laughs> and never staying dry. <laughs> we remember so many of those experiences. <laughs> like you always woke up soggy, but it was so fun. We had so many fun, just authentic memories, I guess. Yeah. Many things yeah. didn't always go right too. Yeah. A lot of families tend to get caught up in, you know, day to day. And that's part of what your book helps steer them away from and to a better thing. Tell us a little about that. Like what, what are some of the great ways to redo your thinking about 
family vacation or adventure? So when I started this work, I was really finding what people were struggling with. In particular, you know, I really talked to a lot of moms in particular. You don't have to be a mom to do this, but talking with them, it was just the overwhelm of like, so how do I even start? Where do I begin? And it's really at the end of the day, adventure is a new, risky, maybe uncomfortable experience. And so I worked with people on what I call the everyday adventure challenge initially, just like what are simple adventures that you could do today and helping them get better at it. Right. Cause the more you practice, the more comfortable it gets. And then you try the next adventure and the next adventure and it becomes a habit. So the book was really to help frame that adventure doesn't have to be this big mountain, right? It can be these little things that we do every single day that builds this adventure habit, that builds this muscle to say, okay, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to get just a little outside my comfort zone and I'm going to grow. I'm going to learn and I'm going to maybe get resilient because of this experience. So helping work through that then, what were all the things that were getting in the way? Things like fear, things like time, things like money maybe, were mental models that we had to work through. In the book, I talk about a number of different examples. How do I work through fear? How much does it actually cost for our family to adventure? There's all these different ways you can think about the things that get in the way to adventure as a family. And part of that, you know, I think some people feel that the adventure has to be this huge thing, right? It's like, well, we've saved right. for years and we, we're going to, I don't know, Disney World, whatever it happens to be. And that's not true at all. For example, you could just seek out the little brown signs. Yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I love that. Yes. I call those little brown sign adventures because there's a million things in your own backyard. And I think COVID in particular helped us see this, right? That there were all these different things that I'd never done in our community. We're within like 30 miles that were just magical. So for people that don't know, a little brown sign is like a local landmark or a, it's a designated spot that people have identified as a, an attraction, but it's not like a tourist attraction where people are paying money. These are things like county parks or museums or interesting landmarks, historical landmarks that you may not even even known. And so we started exploring those and it was like, I'm learning so much and I've lived here for my whole life. And yet I didn't know this existed. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I was driving back when I lived in L.A. many, many years ago with a friend who had lived there his whole life. And I, we passed the off-ramp for the Watts Towers. And I, hey, Ray, did you go to the Watts Towers as a kid, too? Have you ever been there? He had never been there. And it's like, it's right there. And so I made him go. <laughs> It's funny because when we traveled, I was noticing that we were doing those things, right? Or if people came to visit us, we would go do those things, but we didn't think to do them just living there or being there. So it's kind of funny that we take for granted maybe even what's available that we, we think is yes. like, oh, it's not good enough or that's not an adventure. Well, it definitely is. Those are interesting things and spaces and we should also explore those too. Yeah. When it's things in your neighborhood or in your town, I think I tend to think, oh, I'll get to that eventually. I'll do that eventually. Well, now, Tony and I have become such, what do I call it, ants in our pants kind of people. <laughs> I have to make sure that I don't leave that for next year because who knows if we're going to stay till next year. Right? <laughs> we've been so mobile. I mean, more than I ever thought, you know, I'd want to be. Every time we buy a house, it's our forever home. <laughs> <laughs> How many of those have and we we've had? We've had three or four of those. So those local adventures 
we never bothered to do because we were just going to do them later. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what are you going to, you're going to sit around or you're going to travel a thousand miles. Why don't you just go down the street and do that thing? It builds the muscle, right? Of just getting out of your own way. Sometimes we like to call them. I, so I've gotten better about having my kids do this. So now I can outsource all these ideas to my kids to say like, <laughs> <laughs> hack, hack there. Right. Uh, I'd, I'd say to my kids, like, what kind of things are you guys interested in? What things are you looking forward to? And so it's sometimes it's little stuff. My daughter, I should just grab her list and read it to you. It's the things she comes up with are things that I never would have thought of. Now she's 10 years old. So it's a little bit different when they're two, but I've really learned like they're very creative thoughtful, insightful, observant people <laughs> and, and using <laughs> them as a resource has been really helpful too. And coming up with ideas of things that, you know, they just really want to do things like going to a bike park sometimes or going for ice cream. But also my daughter one day painted rocks and wanted to go hide them in a local park. It's like, oh yeah, well, that's really simple. We could do that. Right. It doesn't cost us right. anything. As a lot of people are suffering from the cost of travel with fuel and such, it just expounds on that. You can use those little brown signs to find something that's not two tanks of fuel away, but just an hour away or whatever it happens to be. Right. And think of all the people who come to wherever you are that are like, oh, I want to see your area. Well, we used to own a resort and that's what people, oh, there's nothing to do around here. I'm like, oh, step aside, son. I got a list for you. (laughs) Right. So there's always cool stuff to see. Now you tried to slip in the word ice cream there, but I know there's a little bit more of a story to that. (laughs) (laughs) There is. Yeah. Oh gosh. So it might be my Achilles heel. It might be bribery. It might be motivation. (laughs) I'm not sure what word we want to put that, but so I have a, I've always loved ice cream. I'm from Wisconsin. I can't deny the fact that my roots are rooted in dairy some way, some shape, somehow. And so there's always been this love of ice cream. And when all of my kids have, these travel goals. So I'll just quickly, my, my oldest son just loved baseball as a two-year-old, he would play baseball all the time. And so we thought, well, that'll be fun. We'll travel via major league baseball stadium. So we'll try to hit all the major league baseball stadiums before he's 30 or not 30, but there's 30 of them before he graduates (laughs) high school. My daughter then wanted to hit all the national parks. And those seem like very natural. They're easy to find out how to do that. Check those boxes, but they felt like bucket lists. My youngest son is just like sugar is one of the four core values of his life. And so (laughs) ice cream just felt like a very natural thing for him to want to explore. It was like, how can I get as much ice cream in my life as possible? So of course his travel goal is now to taste the best small batch homemade ice cream in all 50 States. So it's not just, you know, hitting the 50 States, it's eating the best ice cream, which means you can't just try one ice cream in each state. Yeah. You gotta like, you know, rate them and have different types. <laughs> so nice. we eat a lot of ice cream and it is, yeah, there's, there's definitely a little bit of a science, a little bit of art and a whole lot of bribery behind that. Cause then I can also get them to do other things that they may or may not always want to do. Like take a five mile hike with me. <laughs> And then we'll get ice cream. (laughs) That sounds fantastic. So have you found like his qualification of what makes great ice cream in yours may be different or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there has to be variety of flavors, right? Because he will choose things like the most sugary, most sweet, most disgusting mix-ins that I'm like, yeah, no, that does not qualify for me as good ice cream. So we have different things. And he, uh, we always try to record like, what did everybody get? 
how does everybody rate it? And things like creaminess and choice of flavors, the atmosphere, like, was it fun? Was it a good place for kids to play at? All those things go into the rating. So it's like I said, it's turned into quite the science. It doesn't have to be that hard, but we've made it that hard because it's so fun <laughs> for us. But how fun. I mean, it's it's not just ice cream. It's a whole research project for him. Yeah. yeah. So that's another layer of that, just something to look forward to. Oddly enough, the best ice cream place I've ever been to is in Fresno. Really? Yeah, that was good. Although it was a lot of fun in Millican, Colorado, too. That's true. <laughs> and then if he gets to California, if he gets to Northern California specifically, there is a place called Cowlick's Ice Cream. They sell mushroom ice cream. Yeah. And yes, it tastes like feet. Well, it tastes, <laughs> it tastes like, like what mushroom. I would imagine. Tastes like what I would imagine feet would taste like. I'm not sure. I haven't eaten any feet recently. <laughs> That's funny. This has been so fun, right? Because it's so easy to have conversations over ice cream too. So I love connecting with other people. And usually people's best ice cream is in the oddest places, right? So yeah. after I left meeting you guys, I headed up to Buena Vista, Colorado to test an ice cream place. I was like, well, there's a Buena, there's supposed to be this really good ice cream place on the way back to Denver. So I actually drove a little out of my way and I had my first flight of ice cream. I'm like, I didn't know I could get oh. five flavors. Yeah. Five or six flavors. It was amazing. So you just got like a tiny little taste of all of them. It was so good. It's been funny That's too, because you find idea. really different places that probably wouldn't be on my radar. Like I don't know that I would have gone to Buena Vista. I don't know. And is there a palate cleanser between samples of ice cream? <laughs> No, there wasn't. I'm going to have oh, to man. bring my own, I guess, next time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably just a drink of water or something yeah. like that. But what a great idea. Flights of ice cream. That is a great idea. I like okay, it. Hey, all you ice cream owners out there. <laughs> right? Yeah, if you're making good ice cream. I guess in a way we kind of do our own flights because we're like, can we have one of those little sample spoons of that? <laughs> how about a little sample of that? <laughs> I always wonder if anyone goes in an ice cream store and tastes all the samples and then just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried them all. I don't need them I'm more. full now. Yeah. <laughs> so would that be untourism? That would be how we define untourism. So if you think of tourism as being, you know, when I think about traveling, it's usually these bucket lists of where everybody wants to go is based on what someone else has told them, or they think maybe marketing has influenced them. So you ask any family, what do they want to do once in their lifetime? Most of them want to go to Disney or to Yellowstone or to the Grand Canyon. There's the very iconic places. And what I started to find was that when we traveled to places I'd never heard of or got curious about talking with the locals about what makes this place unique or having them recommend to me like if I was to go to dinner, where would you go to dinner? Not where do you think I want to go to dinner, but like, where do you go to dinner? I started getting very different answers to what my questions were. And I realized like, this is so much better than any Disney experience I've ever. And, and I've done some of those, right? I've done the touristy things. And I realized like, this is a very different experience. And so the ice cream thing is kind of a really good way for us to now practice on tourism because you have to get local, right? You have to get to know, understand, and appreciate small towns and find them on the map and sometimes yeah. get off the beaten path a little bit because it's not the typical places that you know and love and already have built relationships with. It's, it's getting outside your comfort zone or testing things that you'd never heard of. Yeah. I did that once. I went to Miami and I was in the taxi and I go, where do you 
get your Cuban food because it was a Cuban taxi driver. And boy, it was good. It was not necessarily a touristy place, yeah. but it was really good Cuban food. But I think that also, that untourism as you describe it, might be a solution to all what we're hearing about crowded campgrounds, right? If you're going to the top 10 destinations, it's going to be crowded. Right. But through untourism, as you describe it, you're probably not going to be competing for as many spots. And so you're more likely to find a spot like where we were in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. And I always find that it's the places I never heard of, too, that are just like, why have I never heard about this? This is so amazing. And it usually comes from a recommendation of someone in my network that I like and trust, or like you said, meeting up with someone along the way and asking like, what was some of your best experiences? So it's been a different way to travel, but also it's given me some insights into like, this is so much better than what the paid advertising and all those other things are. <laughs> we're offering us. So yeah. Yeah. And then you had spoken about connecting families through adventures. You have a whole network of people that you share these adventures with and tips and such, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that's kind of just building. So the intent was always to, I always say it's to connect families through adventure, right? So we have a shared interest. Once we realize we have a shared interest with adventure being kind of the platform, how can we start to know, like, and trust things that you know, each other does and how do we support them in the process? So for example, in the ordinary Sherpa community, there was a person just in my free Facebook, even there was a person whose son was fascinated with rocket launches. And she was kind of being spontaneous and saying like, I think we should just go this weekend to go see the, the SpaceX launch. Has anybody ever done this? Where would we park? Where would we go? And it was so cool because now we crowdsourced an entire level of solutions for her to do this on a whim, to be adventurous, to get outside their own comfort zone. But she felt supported in the process. And for me, I was like, oh, this is winning. <laughs> this is what <laughs> community looks like. Because when you can help someone else on their and not just with recommendations, but it was deep. You know, here's here's where I would park. The parking over here is wow. insane. So go this way. You know, you can get a better view. Here's a picture of our last launch. It was just it was next level. Awesome. And how do people connect with you to connect with that resource? So there's a couple of ways uh, the, because, I mean, the easiest is probably the podcast. You'll get to know me. You'll hear my voice over and over again. So Ordinary Sherpa is the podcast. And then from there, depending, I, I kind of have three pillars. So we talk a lot about simple adventure around lifestyle design and untourism. So depending on which level you want to go from there. If you go to my website, ordinarysherpa.com, there's a lot of different like little nuances. There's a Facebook group. There's a, a beginner's guide to on tourism. There's a couple different ways that you can connect a little bit deeper and understand the work that we're doing over here. And from there, we can also access your book. Oh yeah, right. All <laughs> 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 <Hold> that. <laughs> That's right, I wrote a book. Surprise. Yeah. So the book was really designed to help people in this just managing lifestyle mindset, that type of thing. So the book is Beyond Normal, A Field Guide to Embrace Adventure, Explore the Wilderness and Design an Extraordinary Life. And that can also be found on the website or on Amazon. There's a lot of different places you can find that. And in the book, there's a lot of different ways to connect with me as well. So yeah, thank you for reminding me, Peggy. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You said the book was the best business card you ever had. What's the process of that? How did you decide, I want to write a book and come up with that as a message? You know, when you're in a podcast, it, this is a very one-way communication, but it's also little snippets, right? So you really have to listen to a lot of episodes to get like, how does the story come together? What are the parts <laughs> and the pieces and the activities? 
And it can get really chopped up and you kind of forget from week to week or you miss an episode. And so the book was a way to really put all of my learning, all of the practices, a lot of different ideas, a lot of different tools and things I've used throughout the year into one place. So it was easily accessible, cover to cover. If you had questions, you could still follow up, but it was a lot more, I guess, holistic perspective on how did we get to adventure? How do we adventure? In some ways, also introducing you to other adventurers or people that have come along the way. So the book was really a way to tell the story from start to finish. And it, it, you know, the story never really ends. Right? There's, there's a lot of opportunities that come from adventure, but it helps people follow your journey and your path a little bit further to dive deeper into the content and to practice some of the things that we've done throughout the years. Once again, the book is Beyond Normal, a field guide to embrace adventure, explore the wilderness, and design an extraordinary life with kids by Heidi Dusick, who has been our guest today. Heidi, thank you very much for your time, but we always ask a couple of questions of our guests. One of those is, what is your favorite camping adventure memory? Oh, so (laughs) I have a lot, but I will still say the one that really turned me on to RV lifestyle was in 2020, we had to cancel all of our travel and we decided to go to the Oregon, the Southern Oregon coast. And it was my first boondocking experience. I can't even tell you exactly where we were. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea really where we were going to stay. We'd never boondocked before. And it was amazing. So Bandon, Oregon is still in my mind, the place that I will forever hold. Like that was the origin story of our RV lifestyle because it was just so authentically unique. It was gorgeous. I don't know. It was all the things that I needed at the time and didn't know I needed. Did you already have an RV and you just weren't as adventurous or did you actually buy an RV and become one of those quote, COVID campers. Yes and no. So we had camped for years and I was a tent camper through and through. Like I, my exposure to RV living was people bought RVs and then parked them at permanent campsites. And that was their cabin. And I was like, that's not us. We travel way too much. I want to see too many different things. Yeah. So we had owned a, a tent and camped again forever. And there was several, that's why I was laughing. I was like, I have a lot of camping memories. And the one <laughs> that turned me on to our real life was it had rained the entire weekend. I had three kids, five and under and a dog. And it was like sopping wet with this big, and our dog is like a hundred pounds in a kennel. You know, it's like, we are on top of each other. We're wet and we're cold and we're muddy. It's like all those bad memories of camping that you're like, yeah, that's going to come true. Well, it happened, but at the, in the best way possible. So it led us to say, you know what? I want something where I'm not sleeping on the ground anymore. So we bought a pop-up and then we rented a couple of different RVs until we decided what we actually liked. And in 2021, we bought our class A. So even RVing, was a series of adventures. Oh gosh, yeah. Learning to have that adventure of being an RVer. Yeah, and calling Baby myself steps. an RVer, you know, I, yeah. it's obviously changed. So that's exciting. Yep, and so would that have been your worst camping adventure, the muddy? It's up there. I mean, it wasn't an <laughs> RV experience. I'm trying to, any. we've had a lot of interesting moments, right? Where you're like, okay, well, I, you know, most recently we were in Jasper, Canada, And I broke the latch on the toilet so it wouldn't flush in the rig. And that meant my husband had to replace that, which meant taking the toilet off and that was, I was really glad I knew, you know, my husband's a fix it guy. So I just like took the kids and vacated the premises so he could do whatever he wanted to do. <laughs> so I probably wouldn't say that was my worst, but it probably was my husband's worst because he kind of had to 
do with the mess, no pun intended. <laughs> and I think we have to be more careful asking the question because we don't necessarily require the answer to be RV, but yeah, that's camping, true. you know, yeah. camping experience. Because like like you, I grew up without an RV. Well, I did but, a lot of tent camping. So if that was my worst memory, I don't want to force an RV bad memory <laughs> onto people. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I remember growing up, my my dad's family camped all the time. And one of the things I always got shoved. So my parents had an RV, but it was really small. And so the three of us kids, me and my two older brothers, my little brother got to stay in the RV because he was the baby. But we always had to go out to the tent. And that was when I don't even think things were like truly waterproofed at the time. And I remember <laughs> my dad in the middle of a rainstorm coming in and being like, don't touch the sides of the top of the tent or the rain. Will yeah. Come. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> then, I totally remember that. And we had these like heavy army sleeping bags. So they were like 20 pounds without wetness or water in them. And you woke up and it's like a hundred pounds. And this, it was so uncomfortable. And I was literally laying in a puddle. And I remember waking up and being like, who touched the tent (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh i totally remember that now wow oh those tents they were so bad (laughs) and they were so hard to set up and you always forgot one piece it's like well shoot i can't put this up now (laughs) i mean you just need that one stake to like pull the tent up right to hold it so it doesn't fall over yeah evolution good times (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. Tents have come a long way. It's not as intense to camp in them. <laughs> I love you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi is gracious enough to give away one copy of her book, Beyond Normal, A Field Guide to Embrace Adventure, Explore the Wilderness, and Design an Extraordinary Life with Kids to so, one of you. Oh, sorry. So as we remind everyone, make sure you're on our mailing list because the way that we handle our giveaways is to send one extra email to one person one week. Yep. So if that is you, you need to be able to receive an email from us. So Make sure you're on our mailing list, and maybe you will be the lucky recipient of Heidi's book. Yeah. And if you don't get it free, go buy it. That's right. <laughs> you can get it. Well, there'll be a link right on our show notes or through Heidi's website, OrdinarySherpa.com. Well, on that note, we shouldn't take any more of your day, but it's a real pleasure. Yeah, it was fun to meet with you guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, for our sure. pleasure, thank and you. thank you. Traveling with your RV is the best way to get around. Yeah, but you want to do it safely, so using your phone's GPS can lead you down some potentially dangerous places. For sure. That's why we love RV Trip Wizard, part of the RV Life Suite, which lets you plan your journeys before you go, and then use the RV Life app on your phone or tablet to safely navigate your journey. Yeah, you can set parameters such as how far you like to travel in a day, how many miles you can go between fuel stops, and even read reviews of campgrounds. It also takes into account the size of your RV and more. Then you can rest assured that your phone isn't going to lead you into trouble. If you have an RV, you need RV Trip Wizard. And we have a great deal for you. 25% off your annual subscription. Check it out on your discounts and deals page on StresslessCamping.com where you can listen to our interview with RV Life and learn about the whole RV Life suite and save your RV while you save on an RV Life subscription. Now Now that's that's Stressless stressless camping. Camping. 
So be sure to sign up for the newsletter because as Heidi said, she is offering one of her books and we will randomly choose an address and send an email out to someone next Monday, which will be October 3rd. Watch your inbox for the only person who gets a second newsletter of the week. <laughs> well, it's just an email. The second one won't oh, be a Oh, not newsletter. Sorry. It won't be yeah, an entire it'll newsletter. It'll be just an email. Right. And if you respond, then we will have one of Heidi's books sent to you. Yeah. So one of the weird ways we've been traveling, which is a little different than, as you know, our normal modus operandi or caris Ooh. operandi, yeah, <laughs> is in a rental car. And the reason for that is we brought a rental car from New Mexico. We're in Northern California, where we came from, to pick up all of our stuff yep. and load it in a U-Haul and bring it back to New Mexico. Our stuff gets to make a journey too. As part of that, we brought our Alpacool 12 volt cooler with us because it's just cheaper than... Than stopping in restaurants every single time. And since we don't have a travel trailer, we don't have our refrigerator, we either stop in restaurants or we bring some food with us. Correct. And as you may or may not know, we have worked to lose some weight this year. So having more control over what we eat has always been helpful for us. Right. And that's one of the reasons that we have the 12 volt cooler with us. The other thing is, you know, we just have it. We might as well use it. So 12 volts though, I mean, you could, I guess, plug it into the cigarette lighter outlet of the car all the time. But what we found when we were on the beginning of this long summer trip was that we could plug the 12 volt cooler into the 12 volt receptacle but then every night we were schlepping it into the hotel room <laughs> to plug it into regular power so this time we got smart and we brought our jackery with us yeah and the, what the jackery is some people refer to these as solar generators mm -hmm. they are not generators they do use solar to recharge a big battery that's built into it but that battery then allows you to plug in regular household outlets. There are three on the front of the Jackery that we have. There are also USB charging ports, one of those cigarette lighter or 12 volt ports. So there's a number of ways to take advantage of the battery that's in the Jackery. And you can either recharge it with the cigarette lighter in your vehicle. Well, not cigarette lighter. They call it a 12 volt outlet now. <laughs> the 12 volt outlet, yeah. Right, or household regular plug it into the wall or with the solar panels that they sell with this solar generator. Right. The reason that we brought it is overnight we can leave the Jackery in the rental car and the cooler continues to run, which is pretty slick. Right, so we've been able to leave the cooler and not carry it inside every single night. When we're staying for more than two nights, then we kind of take it in and eat the food and plug it in. Yeah. <laughs> Having this quote-unquote solar generator or battery with all the ways to use it, we keep finding more and more uses for it. Sure. Mike Sokol, the RV electricity guy, has been using his with one of those pellet smokers. So oh. he has, yeah, he has the pellet smoker and has been using the Jackery for that. I know a lot of people who have talked to us about using a CPAP machine overnight in an RV. Mm -hmm. And these Jackeries or whatever solar generator are really good for that. 
I believe you ordered a pellet smoker, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll probably use it at the house most of the time and be able to plug it in, but what fun to just be able to take the Jackery to the smoker. Well, and I very specifically ordered a quite portable pellet smoker, knowing that we could put it oh. in the back of the truck and have the Jackery and have smoked meats and veggies all on the road. Right. So yeah. once we get home and use that, that'll be our gadget report for that week. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a whole... So what I got on another subject, I bought a Rectech pellet smoker, and there's a whole crew of those people who have gatherings and all of that. So maybe oh, yeah. we'll be in the Rectech bunch. New place who knows? to travel. Super. Yeah. Well, do you have an RV for this week to tell uh, us about? I do indeed. It's very similar to our very first RV together, unless you count the pickup camper shell. Uh. But it is a Rockwood or Flagstaff pop-up trailer. Aww. So this is a Rockwood 1940F pop-up trailer. If fuel economy is something that is a concern to you and you want to sort of shop for an RV that doesn't have as big an impact on fuel economy. These little trailers are great. And the reason is, okay, let me back up. <laughs> One of the reasons that things you tow behind your RV, you know, people say, what kind of fuel mileage do you get? And it's almost universally, ten. oh yeah, 10 <laughs> to 12 miles to a gallon. And the reason for that is not the, necessarily the weight of these RVs, but how much power it takes to pull them through the wind. Yeah, because you're just, you've got a giant flat-fronted box in front of you. Right. It's you almost huge... have more of a sail than you do a torpedo. Correct. And so most of that loss of fuel economy is overcoming the aerodynamic drag of that trailer. So these pop-ups, since they are lower, obviously, since they're popped down when you're towing them. Hopefully. <laughs> they don't have much of an impact on your fuel economy, depending on your vehicle and all of that. That's good. So there's that. They are garageable. They're yep. inexpensive. They are not the lousy pop-ups of many years ago. For example, this Rockwood comes with heated mattresses. And are pop-ups usually light, more lightweight so you can get away with a smaller vehicle? Or yes, no? so yeah. you could tow this with a lot of mid-size SUVs or even some vans and definitely almost any pickup out there. Okay. So they're, yeah, they're light. They don't have a huge aerodynamic drag. They can be garage. So if you live in a place where uh, you're not allowed to keep the RV outdoors. Right. That's another advantage of these things. And they're inexpensive and, and pretty cool. So, you know, again, depending on your camping style, these things might be neat. Now, here is a downside. We talked to Steve Searles from Mammoth, mm -hmm. who is the bear expert. And there are campgrounds that specifically prohibit pop-up or canvas-sided RVs. Because they're too easy for a bear to break into. Well, that's the logic, but a bear can bust open the side of a minivan. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, uh, it's more people being afraid of something that, I mean, if a bear wants into any RV, 
They're getting in. Yeah. The tent is not really a barrier. Barrier. Uh, <laughs> what a grisly joke that oh. was. <laughs> but if that's a consideration, they also make hard-sided pop-ups, which you can get power top mechanisms and all that. They're not difficult to lift. And as you all know out there, we really like Rockwood products. And the quality of those extends to these little pop-ups. So yeah, it's something to think about. So the Rockwood 1940F, pretty slick little trailer that is very much like our first Jayco in terms of the floor plan and all that. And I have a funny story about that, Jayco. <laughs> Do so you? before we ever bought it, I was camping with a whole bunch of people, including the owner of, uh, we had a Jayco pop-up. Before we bought it, they had it. And they get to the camp and, you know, this is why I say don't interrupt people setting up. And they put the top up and the beds out and all of that. And the wife is like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I think I'm going to take a nap after that trip. She gets into the back bed of this Jayco and they had not put the stabilizers down. So the whole thing flipped up. Yeesh. Well, there she is inside the Jayco just swearing like a sailor. Like, get me out of here, you bleep, bleep, bleep. Well, none of us could help her because we're laughing, was laughing so hard. Too it hard. looked so funny to see this thing flip. She wasn't injured. It was all good, but it was also quite hilarious. And then later we got the Jayco. That's so, right. Speaking of buying RVs, last week, our question of the week was... Are you buying a new RV soon? Yeah. We did get a lot of answers, and I want to point out that Tony and Peggy <laughs> and Marilyn and Mark and Linda and Brian, yeah, Brian, that counter, mm -mm, I wouldn't trade it in either. And Mike and Chris and Nell and Karen all are so happy with their current rigs that they said, nope, they are not in the market for a new RV. Yeah, but I wonder how many people who bought quote-unquote COVID rigs bought right. one because yeah. it was on the dealer's lot rather than a conscious choice per se. Well, I don't think that any of our listeners or anyone who responded is really in that. Maybe nope. Joe said he's going to change from a Class C to a towable toy hauler. And maybe that's something to do with what toys he now has. Klaus said he might trade, but he wasn't very specific. <laughs> uh, Lori pointed out that, you know, if I get a new RV, I have to have a new tow vehicle. And yeah, it's just a vicious circle. So she's going to just stick, I think, with what she's got. And um, I want to shout out to Carl, who showed yeah. his Ultra Van and said that he might have a lead on getting one. And we would really love to have an ultra oh. van. So Carl, we need to talk. Speaking of shopping for RVs, I got to rat us out. Uh -oh. So as you know, we are, we're here in Northern California. We got a giant U-Haul truck and part of the plan was to hook the aristocrat to the back of the U-Haul van and bring it to New Mexico. Well, we were talking with a member of, there's a group called Aristocrats Anonymous. And we were talking to the lady that founded that and babbling on about the aristocrat because it's been at her house all this time. Right. Well, we sold it. Oh, you're just going to drop that bomb right here and now. Yes, huh? I am. It was really not our intention. If but... you've been listening for a long time, you know it's been about a year since we bought that aristocrat and we had lots of intentions of fixing it up and taking it to New Mexico. And we've talked a lot about, we've taught, we've, you know, 
shown pictures and we've talked about the work that we've done and we've talked about the work we wanted to do and we were very excited to have it, but it's just, I guess, just not the right time for us to have a vintage trailer. Well, and someone came along who wanted it and, and, so, bing, and bang, it was boom. the right time for Byron, so <laughs> we will get to New Mexico and then we'll start thinking again. So again, Carl... Keep yeah, so mind. Carl, we no longer have a vintage. <laughs> we don't have a trailer, vintage trailer, so. but an ultra van. Yeah. Ooh, doggies, <laughs> we'd love to have one of those. And if you don't know what an ultra van is, in the show notes for this podcast, I'll put a link. I wrote a, an article about them, and they are quite incredible. Yeah. So that one of our hobbies, of course, is vintage trailers, and we've <laughs> traveled a little bit. We've done a little bit of camping with that vintage trailer, but. It got me wondering, do you incorporate hobbies into your travel plans? That's our question of the week, and you can answer that over at our Fun and Friendly Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. And you can also go to our website and sign up for our newsletter so you might win one of Heidi's books. Yeah. The newsletter is free. The newsletter just comes out once a week. We have links to stories and videos and podcasts and whatever we find that we think that will help you get the most out of your RV experience. Visit our website. If it's your first time there, you'll see a pop-up. If not, on every page, there's a newsletter sign-up form. We, of course, never share your information with anybody. No way, no how. And we only send one email a week unless you want something in which case we will send an email about that right also on the website you can find the show notes for all of our episodes and this episode which is number 170 on the podcast page at stresslesscamping.com and that's also where you'll find discounts and deals on the best things you'll need on your stressless camping adventure and hey if you know of a great deal for our audience would you please contact us and let us know yeah, there's a contact us form there on the website too. Right. And of course, we are in all the social places, but you can find us by starting at stresslesscamping.com where there's a little icons for all the social places up at the top and you can jump off and find us there. Oh, and if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, it's free. It is free. <laughs> you can subscribe on any podcast app. And of course, we are saving you a seat around our virtual campfire. Yeah. And uh, don't forget to share this podcast with others in the form of a review, which tells others that you're listening. Other folks are listening. And that just means we can get great guests like Heidi on the podcast. And Yeah. And by the way, also, when you're answering the question of the week on the Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group, whew, invite a friend. Usually Facebook says, hey, do you want to invite these friends that you might want to have here? And just, yeah, heck yeah, add those people. Yeah, why wouldn't <laughs> you? <laughs> by the way, we did get a bunch of reviews this week. The first one from Music Lover 84 dollar sign. Super nice sounding couple that are very informative and entertaining. They keep everything positive while they discuss every facet of the RVing experience. Wow. Nice. Joy also left a review that said, I love Peggy and Tony's conversational tone to help us understand all things camping. From tips on driving a rig, their crazy stories. Crazy stories. Crazy stories? What? And what favorite is she things? listening to? <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate having their insights. Thank you. I hope one day we can meet up on the road. Hey, if you're in uh, Albuquerque this Saturday. That's right, October 1st, <laughs> 2022. Yep, and lastly, Kimberly said, 
Uh, love the tips offered and the story shared. Tony and Peggy are the real deal. Thanks, well, Kimberly. Gosh, that's nice. <laughs> we really appreciate those reviews. It means quite a bit to we us. We sure do. Well, on that note, we are back on the road. We hope to see you maybe this Saturday. And wherever you are, happy, happy camping. camping. We hope you learned a lot and had some fun and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure, and we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping! Who touched the tent? <laughs> <laughs>